yo, yo. How's it going out there, everyone in Geek Vibe Nation? This is your pal, Dane, and we've got another enticing episode of Geek Vibes Live on Saturday at 8 o'clock. You know that because you're listening right now. But uh, let's, let's go through a, a wonderful uh, cast of characters, if you will, for this movie. Um, Juwan, how's it going out there, man? It is going great. I am ready to get into these topics. Heck yeah. All right. Um, and uh, Kanan, how's your day been? Uh, it's been very exciting, and if this were a movie, I would probably be the first person to die. So, <laughs> It's possible that my you know, fat ass might drop over a stick or something, and then Jason kills me. But who knows? Anyways, Nick, uh, do you... Do you think that you would be uh, on the chopping block, or do you think you could survive the uh, horror movie? Oh no, I'm I'm fucking toast, dude. I'm totally dead, without a question. Without a question. All right. Well, let's hope that our special guest uh, could possibly survive the whole entire thing and be the hero <laughs> in this story. All right, we got an awesome guest, guys, uh, in Geek Pop Nation. Uh, Jay Sandlin is an author and historian. He is currently on tour speaking at universities with his research on slavery and the golden age of social history in America. He is the creator and founder of uh, Novel Comics. Uh, their first volume, Outbreak Mutiny, will debut in late March, early April, uh, with issues 0 to 7. Uh, thanks, Jay, for being on the show, man. Um, uh, we know that you're on tour right now, and uh, you just spoke at uh, Troy University, right? Uh, introduce oh, guys, thank you so much for having Hey, hey, Geek Vibe Nation, thank you so much for having me here tonight. Um, yeah, I've been on the road about seven hours today and didn't quite make it home, so I'm at my, uh, I'm, luckily my dad has an office that uh, I was able to use on the way back, so I'm hanging at the divorce attorney's office right now, <laughs> calling in for the show. Now, yeah, I, I've got to give a great shout-out to uh, Troy University at Montgomery for uh, having me today on their panel. Um Bigger shout-out to you guys for having me today. Thank you for that and for uh, letting me talk about the novel comics. Hey, no problem, man. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, novel comics and just uh, what similarities do you see uh, specifically with history and comics meeting up that you were enticed by? We all know when comic books and history can collide. We've seen it work. We've seen it work with Watchmen. You know, we've seen it work with Superman, Red Sun. Um, there's all kinds of alternate realities that we could talk about. Mine is alternate history with superheroes. This is not a book. This is a new brand. The novel comics is my DC. It's my Marvel. Um, now, it's not graphic novels. It's not comic books. This is literature. This is novel in you know text form. There's uh, going to be graphic novel cover art, and that's what we're going okay. to have released on March the 10th. You'll see uh, the pencil sketches come out. Uh, we're also going to have some audio trailers debut on Friday this week, so looking forward to that. But uh, you mentioned issues. Uh, I call my chapters issues, and I release my chapters a few batches at a time. The first batch is going to be zero through seven. It's a serialized story, so people who get their superhero media uh, who always have in comic books will be used to that, but you get that in a book form. That is awesome. That's uh, very, very creative. I'm, I've always enjoyed history, and obviously I'm a dork for comics, so the the, co the concept of combining them, especially when you're talking about certain things like Red Sun, yes. very intriguing. Well, this is also um, in reality. Um, it's going to begin in 1929. It's going to be a world where, uh, you know, like, a portion of the population have superpowers. Some people have chosen to act as heroes. Some people have chosen to be villains. 
But when we arrive in 1929, it's at the end of something I've called the first outbreak war. Uh, that's what I call the superheroes or the people with powers in this world. They're called outbreak babies. Um, part of the book will be an entire glossary because I've, I've got my own vernacular for this series. <laughs> but um, outbreak yeah. babies have the powers. Um, and your powers come about as the result of a great uh, stress, personal tragedy, uh, much like going Super Saiyan, the powers come in response to a need, not in response to a want. So all the superheroes had to go through some really bad crap to get their powers. And in uh, 1929, you know, we, we think about uh, early 20th century, we think about bad guys, obviously we think about the Nazis. Um, my bad guys are the Reich, R-E-I-C-H. And in 1929, um, using the they, – they never say the word Nazis because I don't see them as the Nazi party because um, they're not the Nationalist Socialist. They're something else. They are the basic idea of eugenics-based superpowers because if we had superpowers in the real world, let's be honest. People would find a way to take advantage of them, right? Absolutely. Leaders. Absolutely. Le leaders, dictators, whatever. So in, in my book, um, the – much like at the end of World War One, which was known as the Great War before World War Two, Germany was beaten and uh, disorganized, and they were looking to reorganize under a strong leader. Uh, didn't happen under Adolf Hitler this time. It happened under the worst of the outbreak babies, a guy that used superpowers to sh reshape people who were uh, born special and try to augment them. Uh, biologically engineer them, add mechanical implants, just all sorts of nasty things that they use to take over the world. So uh, when you begin my story, it's uh, the end of that war where they downsize the United States into the remnant states. And then we jump to the 1939 where the remnant states are just Michigan, Iowa, Minnesota, Arkansas, and Louisiana. That's called the remnant. They um, are just barely holding on against the Reich territory that's taken over the surrounding areas. So that's where you meet my main hero. <laughs> nice, man. Uh, that's incredible stuff. Um, Thanks. I mean, you seem like you're a very, very busy person with all this stuff. You also um, you just had a grant proposed submitted for the University of North Alabama. Did you want to go over yeah, a little I, bit I am that? Yeah, I'm in the master's program at the University of North Alabama, so go Lions. And uh, what's going on, um, and that's part of the speaking I'm doing, representing them, uh, you know, when I get the chance to have my research submitted, which just a slight digression here. So I, I go to Montgomery today, and I thought I was scheduled to speak at 1 o'clock. Uh, that's why I left at 6.30 this morning, because it's close to a four-hour drive with traffic. I read the program wrong. I wasn't scheduled till 3 p.m., <laughs> so I was there <laughs> early. Wow. I, and I made great time, too. So I decided uh, I was at Montgomery and Lee, the corner of Montgomery and Lee. Do you guys know what happened there? I'm not going to ask what I do. So. Montgomery and the, yeah, the corner of Montgomery and Lee is where Rosa Parks got on that bus. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, and her museum is right across the street, uh, or you know, at that corner. So I decided I was going to blow off the convention. I've heard, you know, quite a few uh, people presenting papers before, and it. I decided I was just going to go explore Montgomery a bit because I don't go down there very often. And I went to the Rosa Parks Museum, and I, uh, you know, saw the displays. I saw the great stuff. I'm going to do a little live tweeting here, so if you're following me at Jay Sandlin Writer, and I'm going to tag you guys in this as well, 
I went to the Rosa Parks. Awesome. Um, I saw some great displays that I've already posted on Twitter today in the public area. Now, they did have one area where you can't take photos, but I saw something, and just as a historian, I had to take a photo. So I'm trying to think, <laughs> what? I'm trying, how can I sneak a photo of this really cool document? And I look, and I see that there's a window, and there's a guy in a green shirt. It looks like he's sitting working on a computer. I'm like, oh, boy, the guy, the guy in the green shirt's watching me. I can't do it, guys. I can't do it. So I'm, I'm waiting for the guy in the green shirt to maybe get up and walk away or, you know, to do something, and he just doesn't move. And I'm like, why won't this guy move? And finally, I'm just like, I guess I'm just going to have to move on. So I'm about to move on to the next exhibit. I look through the window where the guy in the green shirt is sitting. Yeah, it's Martin Luther King. It was a mannequin. <laughs> I'm worried about Martin Luther King spotting me uh, about to take a photo, which is – which is very ironic because I'm tweeting it now and I've tagged you guys in it, Geek Vibes, and um, awesome. I'm going to put uh, I broke a rule here. I broke a rule by taking a picture of this. It was sent to the city of Montgomery Police Department uh, December 30th, 1955 from Mr. John Edgar Hoover, director of the United States Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Investigation, Washington, D.C., wow. and it says, it says, Dear Sir – Please send us any available information on Martin Luther King Jr., colored male, born January 15, 1929. We will appreciate your cooperation in this manner, and it's signed by an E.P. Brown captain of the detective division. So I just tweeted that to you guys. It's on there, Jay Sandlin, writer, W-R-I-T-E-R. I felt a little guilty. Until I realized, you know what? I think it's very appropriate that I broke a rule in the Rosa freaking Parks Museum. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah I, I, I could see you thinking that was okay to do, you know? So, um, I didn't feel that about bad about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't feel that bad about it. I mean, And ironically, I was scared that the mannequin of Martin Luther King would be afraid that I took a picture of the letter about him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, uh, one one more thing about the museum. Um, so in the beginning, they had a short video you could watch, and I was sitting there, and there weren't many people in there until three minutes into the video, a lot of people walked in. And so there was standing room only, and I looked back and saw some people standing up, and I couldn't see what color they were, but I thought, I better give up my seat right now. Because <laughs> if I don't give up my seat to uh, anybody at the Rosa Parks Museum, I, I don't know if I could live with myself. <laughs> I gave up my seat to uh, another lady who turned out to be white anyway, so it didn't really <laughs> – I still felt good about that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was a great time. I had a good time in Montgomery. Tried to get some, uh, I don't know, like a vintage restaurant or see if I could find it, and I really didn't have the time to venture out. But I took some other pictures you can see on my uh, Facebook of the uh, some murals, and uh, I got the street signs where she got on the uh, on the bus and – and just enjoyed seeing that museum and had a great speak uh, speech with uh, Troy. I was glad Troy had me. Uh, it was just a fun time, and then I got to drive over here and hang with you guys. Well, we appreciate you having you, man. Um, one last thing before we go into the subjects. Do you, uh, do you like Legends of Tomorrow on how historically inaccurate the show is? <laughs> hey, you watch it? Here's the thing. You can't say that Legends of – I do watch Legends, and you cannot say in any regards that it's historically, historically inaccurate. Reason being is because every time they travel somewhere, they create a new timeline. 
So it's anything uh, goes once they show up. If you get aspects of history in there, that's great. Um, what I, what I've really loved this season, and it, they did it in a quirky manner, but there's an episode, and I mean, spoiler alert, this is about a month ago. Uh, they go back and find George Lucas, and it's yeah. in, no, it's in awesome like episode. the 60s. It, yeah, it's an awesome episode. They find him in the 60s. He looks kind of like he's in a, a Dan Connor shirt from Roseanne, and he's looking like Teen Wolf, sort of. But um, Lucas was in film school, and basically the bad guys scare him out of going to film school, so all these people are not inspired by the Star Wars movies. And if you catch it, Lucas, they say that um, in the new timeline that they created, when George Lucas did not make Star Wars, in the years 1977, 1980, and 1983, he was voted insurance salesman of the quarter or something. (laughs) (laughs) And those were the years the original trilogy movies were released. <laughs> yeah, I, I just loved that little tip there because I don't think they even acknowledged that those were the years. But um, so there's definitely an attention to detail, but at the same time, Legends does a great job of just doing their own thing with it as well. And I, I'm enjoying the fun nature of it. Yeah, I just had to ask you, being a historian, uh, because I do love the show. But they they do. I mean, they had zombies during the Civil War. I mean, it's awesome because they fight along. People like Washington, uh, George Washington, and uh, I think they went to Camelot in the last episode. It's a lot of fun, they did. like you were saying. Camelot, I mean, it, they could really do whatever they want in Camelot. And they had a in the last episode, they had a star girl show up as Merlin, which I thought yep. was interesting. Um, I don't know who, who this girl was they got to play Merlin. They, they picked her for her looks. Um, I don't know if she had a concept of acting. She sounded like she was reading a cue card. It was more or less like... You know, hello, how are you? And I was like, yeah, I, I see why you were cast, but, um, you know, good move there. And then, of course, Guinevere and all the Arthurian lore has to be, um, you know, a, a bit of a cheater on Arthur. And they made her and black, I'm sorry, a white canary have some, you know, they had eyes for each other, which I, I think they just like to do that with Sarah Lance. It's like what historical figure can you have uh, Sarah Lance flirt with that you wouldn't expect? (laughs) Um, I love White Canary. She's actually been one of my favorites since they made her the captain this season. Uh, One small suggestion to anybody that cares, I think that she should just go ahead and be Black Canary. What do you guys think about that? Um, Until they came up with this whole Dinah Lance and kind of, I'm really digging the new chick they got, that's exactly what I've been saying for a very long time. I don't dislike the new chick. Is there any reason there cannot be two on each show? Because Sarah was kind of a distinct um, canary. She was just the canary, but she dressed, you know, for all intents and purposes, she was the black canary. Exactly like it, yeah. Yeah, so I don't see why there couldn't be two at once. Uh, They both have legitimate claims because they're they're in different shows. They're in different time periods. They're rarely going to intersect. And when they do, there can be like a little bit of rivalry. There can be like a, oh, are you really worthy to wear my mask, you know, to take my name? I just think it might be interesting. I I completely agree with you. I think the white canary the looks kind of dumb. It doesn't really make sense if you're no. dressing all in white going into battle. Um, oh, my gosh. But, you wore white to a superhero fight. Really? Yeah. You're gonna, it's, do you it's know gonna how many gritty environments we get into? <laughs> Imagine wearing white yeah, exactly. to the Batman-Superman fight. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make it, it doesn't make sense, you know. Yeah, 
But uh, <laughs> all right, let's get into these topics tonight. You guys want to? We're gonna break down the news. Uh, just to let you know, we're gonna break down the news first, um, and then probably start taking callers at that point. Uh, if you guys want to join us, uh, call in at 929-477-3781. You'll be on hold at that point. Press one if you want to join the conversation. Like I said, we're gonna go over some topics before we take phone callers, just so we can go over a lot of this stuff. All right. Um, Let's talk about the first thing, guys. Uh, first thing on the plate is that Matt Reeves agrees to direct and produce the Batman. Now, I don't know if you guys remember or not, because it only happened a week ago, uh, but Matt Reeves uh, was not going to direct. Uh, we found out uh, from different sources, one of them being Embarco uh, Gonzalez, that it was actually a negotiating uh, tactic um, for Matt to receive <laughs> the amount of money that he wanted to direct the movie, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, happens in Hollywood, but uh, just we'll, we'll start. And basically, just so you, you know, Jay, we, I, I'm going to say someone's name. They start talking, and that's how we make it so it's not confusing. But I'm going to start right now with Juwan. Tell me how you feel about Matt Reeves directing this movie and the whole entire dramatic build-up to this fucking news outlet. Um, I, I was listening to our, our episode last week when me and Nick were on the same page of uh, stuff just needs to stop coming out about DC until something is, like, literally signed on. Um, because that's when you get people who maybe aren't that high on DC immediately starting to panic. But this is great news. Matt Reeves, I think, out of all the other names, is possibly the best suited to handle something like this, especially with his work on Planet of the Apes. Um, I think uh, a story like The Batman is something he could definitely handle and make it great. And I also think Ben will be kind of like coaching him through how he wants Batman to be and stuff like that. So that's fine. It's great news, great director. I just really hope DC moving forward keeps everything under wraps until like it's official, official. Because I don't want to hear like three months from now, we're, we're looking for a new Batman director. <laughs> oh man, I... I... I agree with you on that. Jay, uh, how do you feel about this news? Uh, you know what? I'm going to have to reserve my opinion until I see some trailers, a synopsis, because I, ha- I don't think we have anything but a title. Um, we know The Batman. I mean, when I hear the title, it just suggests to me the urban legend aspect of Batman. We all know that there's different versions of Batman. There's there's the Adam West, you know. There's the there's going to be the um, Bat Dark Knight Returns. Um, there's going to be like the Super Friends or the Justice League. And when I hear the Batman, I think about the character in Gotham City uh, going through the sewers, somebody that criminals fear, and someone who's almost like his name. They're afraid to speak it. I, I've liked that Batman. It doesn't work in the larger DC universe because he interacts with other heroes. But in his own self-contained story, the Batman works great as an urban legend that uh, villains are just even afraid to talk about. And that's what that title suggests to me, knowing nothing else but the title. Yeah, I can definitely agree with you on that. I always had an idea of them possibly doing a movie, kind of like from the villain's perspective, of like being st- just like a build-up to this character of the Batman, uh, kind of Sin City-esque. But, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, Nick, how do you feel about this news? Do you think that Matt Reeves will be our director for this movie? God, I hope so. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's been a long time coming. Um, in in 
just as far as us finally, I mean, the, not even the drama last week, but also, you know, with all the Ben Affleck stuff and everything that's been going on for the past few months. So, I mean, I, I think it's a really good choice as a director. I was I was pretty much wanted either him or Gavin O'Connor. Um, so, I mean, I'm really happy with the choice. And, you know, I, but still, I, I still kind of echo what Juwan said, like, they just they need to do a better job of keeping things in house, and hopefully they do. I don't know. I mean, I guess there's the you know any press is uh, good press, um, so maybe that's kind of where they're coming from. But I'm just glad that they got it done. I'm glad that they were willing to pay the man. I'm glad that, you know he's a he's a damn good director, and you know hopefully they can get everything worked together with a good story and make Ben Affleck happy and keep him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, especially the keeping part. Um, and, yeah. uh, Kanan, uh, how did you feel about the news? Um, Matt Reeves has a thing about coming to a franchise that the first movie was started beforehand. Uh, obviously, this would be BBS for him to the Batman, but he knows how to take a character from a pre-existing storyline and push it forward uh, with the Apes films. How do you think he's going to be able to do the Batman? I think Matt Reeves is a great genre director. I think if you can look at his body of work with what he did with Cloverfield and what he did with uh, the Planet of the Apes movies, I mean, just like uh, Umberto pointed out on his Periscope, I mean, the the man can work well with uh, CGI characters, you know, green screen, motion capture. So, I mean, I can only imagine how well he can put together, you know, a live action sequence between, um, you know, two actual actors without having to use CGI. So I, I think he was the right choice. I think that uh, I agree with Jawan in regards to WB trying to keep this under wraps, but if you if you heard um, Umberto's Periscope a couple weeks, or last week, he actually said that Warner Brothers initially is the one that leaked that he was going to be the director within negotiations um, as a way to uh, kind of get the ball rolling with his agent. And then when talks broke down, the agent broke the news. So it seems like they both were like, hey, I'm going to use the media for my advantage. Hey, we're going to use the media for our advantage. But I really think Matt Reeves was always going to be their top choice. He was the front runner. Uh, and even uh, you know, uh, Mark Hughes said this when he wrote his article that you know that was his you know that's who he felt was going to be the pick. And so I think there was some inner workings with Warner Brothers and. Matt Reeves the whole time, and I think that's kind of when they kind of felt like he was going to be their guy. That's when they said, "Okay, Ben, you can go and make this announcement that you're dropping out because we've got someone." Because what after Ben made that announcement, it was what it was, what maybe ten days or two weeks after that that Matt Reeves was in negotiations to direct. So it, it, it's a home run for for Warner Brothers if they can keep him, but they've got to let him. Uh, make this movie his movie and Ben's movie. If they're constantly trying to come in and uh, take stuff away or want to add stuff, then he, I think I think he walks, and I, I really don't know what happens. I, I just I think WB can't afford this constant uh, carousel of directors. Well, here's I'm, my thing. I, it, did you, did you want to say something, John? No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say I the the way I look at this is. Everyone keeps saying DC's future rides on the Batman. I think they've shown us that they don't agree with that, um, that they feel very, very, very confident in Wonder Woman, which uh, has gotten you know pretty good reviews. They feel very confident in Justice League. 
and they just completely stacked Aquaman. So I think the way they're looking at it is we got a you know a good slate of movies where you know that that's actually officially coming out. Um, this is just the icing on the on the on the cake with the Batman. So everything else is is going to be great, and then that's just the icing. So I'm starting to kind of see their their vision a little bit uh, with what they have official. But I I'm still on the boat of like I don't want to get too hyped with DC because the last three yeah. times I did that they've consistently let me down. Ooh. I I agree yeah, with you, I, man. I agree. Well, what I have to say about it is that with me mainly is that we need to stop or, or not we Warner Brothers needs to stop worrying about Phase Two with this universe, if you will, than phase one. Because we do not have a lot of details for Cyborg. If it's going to happen, what's going on with it, it was a part of this original slate. Flash, we don't have another director after Famuyiwa left. Uh, Shazam, we kind of know little to no details. And we're worried about the Batman. Whatever happened to Man of Steel 2? Why do we have Booster Gold coming out with Great Berlanti? That's going to be off for a while. What's going on with Justice League Dark? Those movies are are later. I, I just don't understand, from a fan's perspective, if we're making issues right now, currently, let's focus on right now, currently, not movies that aren't going to be happening for another, you know, five to six years is all I'm saying. Um, but I don't know. Uh, the way that Warner Brothers does it, uh, we got another one. This actually flows right into our next topic pretty well uh, because even though I'm excited about it, it's very similar to Gotham City Sirens with David Ayer and Suicide Squad 2 possibly with Mel Gibson. Nightwing live-action movie announced. Uh, the Lego uh, movie, or the Lego Batman movie, uh, director Chris McKay attached to direct. Um, Nick, I'll go with you first. Uh, do you feel like we are pumping too many movies out and not getting details of the movies that are supposed to be coming out soon? And how do you feel about the Ni- Nightwing live-action movie with Chris McKay directing it? Okay, I'll answer the second one first. I love it. Y'all know I've been I've, I've been Nightwing Rise of Titans. Make that fucking movie. Like, please make <laughs> that movie. I've been saying that for like six or seven months now. Um, so that part of it thrills me. But like, just like you said, just like Jawan alluded to, like th- think of it this way. And I know people hate the Marvel to DC comparison, but more like Marvel has four or three, I think, untitled movies for 2020. They know what they're going to do. They just are finalizing everything and getting everything in place so that once it, you know, once they're announced, then they announce it and we know we're going to get it. Like, so I, I like it, but I mean, it, it just would make so much more sense to me if they had, you know, got a deal with Chris McKay, left him in the dark for a little bit, and then announced it when things were m- more solid and, and we could, you know, actually not have to worry about getting hyped about it. So, like, yeah, I'm excited for the movie, but I agree with you 100%. Like, it just seems like there's so many different things that they're trying to get off the ground instead of focusing on, you know, the things that they already had lined up. So, I mean, I, I think your primary focus should be we need to get this Flash movie done. Like, let's not worry about all this other different stuff. Let's get the Flash movie done because that has gone through so much turmoil. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. But, yeah, I mean, I think they definitely are juggling a little too much at, at the current, you know, state. 
Canon, uh, do you think this is an accurate reason to be frustrated a little bit on my part? Like, in, just in general, like, how do you feel about the whole thing? And then how do you feel about the Nightwing movie coming out from Chris McKay? Well, okay, I, I'll answer it uh, in two parts. One, I'll start with how do I feel about the Nightwing movie. I'm, I, I feel like this is a good direction for Warner Brothers because it shows, you know, like we just talked about, that Warner Brothers is confident in the brand, that they're full steam ahead, and they're going to continue to um, announce movies. Uh, Nightwing is huge. It's good that you know we're going to get you know some type of movie with him. Is this um, kind of a reactionary announcement that Night? You know, because there's so much speculation now that Nightwing is going to end up taking over for Batman, and then it's you know he'll be the Batman. You know, so I don't know where they're going with this. Where I see the negative. And this was talked about on uh, Collider on Friday. Was is that you, we're getting a pattern here of Batman, Batman, and we know he's the most popular character. We know he makes money, but is this the DC, you know, universe or is this the Batman universe? Because we have Gotham yeah. City Sirens, which is Gotham characters. Uh, we have Nightwing, which is in the Batman universe. We have the Batman movie coming out. There's so much focus on Batman. There's so much focus on Ben Affleck being Batman. You know, and uh, Roca on the panel said, hey, guys, your first movie in the universe started with Superman. Why is Cavill getting no love? Why is there no talks about <laughs> yeah. Man of Steel 2? Where is the love for Cavill? Why can this man not get another standalone movie? You know, his second movie, which was supposed to be Man of Steel 2, you brought Batman in, okay? You know, and I agree too. You keep talking about Nightwing. You keep talking about Gotham City Sirens. Where is the love for Flash? Where is the director for Flash? Is he not important anymore? So I don't know where they're going with this. I love the news because I feel like it's it's the you know the DC is going to live, but at the same time it's like, hey man, and and they even said it in the uh, the announcement for Matt Reeves. They said Batman is uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but Toby Emmerich said it that. He's the staple. He's like, you know, the comic book character. Um, if somebody can find it and and read it, I mean, they pretty much. And uh, Dan Merle even said that that was a total shot down of Superman. Like, okay, Batman's our number one guy. Superman, we we just don't care about you anymore. And it's like mm, you're building a universe with all the characters. It shouldn't just be about one. So that's you know that's my take on it. There's positives, but there's negatives too. No, I I mean, I, I agree with you a lot. Uh, Jay, uh, what we're talking about, basically, like, you know, how they seem to be putting a lot on their plate. Like, say they were going to a buffet, like, Warner Brothers is the fat guy that's taking food on it while it's falling off his plate at the same time, not really doing him any good. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that he's going to choke, as in Warner Brothers? And also, I think how there's definitely, you, uh, what, yeah. There's definitely a danger in choking and taking on too much, and I've wondered about that with the Star Wars franchise, too, with the movie every year. And my my philosophy is, you know, I can't change it. I am just thankful that there are opportunities maybe to put out more of this media because uh, I didn't have that growing up. We didn't have that growing up. But um, it may be a saturation, and that may ultimately be counterproductive. I don't know. I'm just going to keep supporting it because I'm going. That's the only way to can ensure that it keeps getting made. And Nightwing is a project that I am very excited about. Yeah, didn't you have an idea for 
for, for Nightwing? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> All right, <laughs> tweeting right now. Tweeting right now. I'm going to give you guys just my short pitch. This is because I'm a writer, and uh, Jay Sandlin writer I've got on Twitter. I just tweeted you guys that say, and I also I'm, I'm going to tag Chris McKay on here because I believe he's listening. <laughs> Chris McKay, I would say that Nightwing, you have your perfect Nightwing in Milo. Um, I'm going to say his na- last name wrong. Milo Ventimiglia. Milo Ventimiglia. He played Jess on the Gilmore Girls. Yeah, Ventimiglia, yeah, so he played Jess on the Gilmore Girls, but he played uh, Peter Petrelli on Heroes, and I always believed that um, he was a great actor. He had a great spot on Gotham as a freaking serial killer where he did great, but uh, okay, recently yeah. he's he's been on a show now called This Is Us. Are you guys familiar with This Is Us at all? This is completely – all right, completely non-superhero related, but Milo plays the most tender – loving and caring father on this show that I've ever seen on television. That makes me believe he's perfect for Dick Grayson uh, because Dick is everything that Batman is as far as the detective, the fighter, and the masked vigilante. But they're different in the sense that Batman has seen the abyss and he lives in the darkness. Dick Grayson has seen the darkness, but he stays in the light. He's kept his heart more than Batman has. That's what I see as the difference. And the reason is because of Batman, because Bruce raised him that way. Bruce wanted a better life for Dick, and that was why he took him in when his parents passed. Um, so that, that, that's the, And that's why I don't believe that Bruce ever wanted Dick to grow up and become Nightwing. You know, He made him his partner as Robin, but I don't think he ever wanted him to continue the life of a vigilante and that was why I came up with this idea for a Nightwing prodigal, because there's a very biblical nature of the story between Bruce, Dick Grayson, and, of course, the second Robin, Jason Todd. Um, I see them as the Cain and the Abel of the DC universe, or maybe uh. even uh, maybe even Jacob and Esau. Uh, you know, Jacob and Esau were two brothers who competed for the birthright of their father, and only one of them could have it. And Esau was this wild man like Jason Todd, and uh, Jacob was the more tender of the two, and he took the blessing, and Esau thought he cheated him for it. That's got to be the basis for Nightwing is this family relationship. Um, Just real quick, if you guys want to hear it, um, Nightwing Prodigal, it's going to have to take place in Bloodhaven. That's where Nightwing operated when he took uh, his... He kind of set out on his own. He left home. He left Gotham. He moved to Bloodhaven, where he was going to operate as a solo hero. That's uh, well established in the comics. Bloodhaven is basically the ghetto of Gotham City, just you know, far farther away. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you open with you think you see Batman going over Bloodhaven. Turns out it's actually a man bat. We know the man bats, of course, from comics, and Dick is fighting one of them. It tears his costume. It's drawing blood. He's losing the fight. He's going at it, but it's uh, it's really tough. And Batman shows up and subdues it with tranquilizers from his utility belt. Tells Dick that he looked really sloppy. Dick says he had the situation well in hand, and hey, this is my town. What are you doing here, old man? Uh, Dick <laughs> Dick says that this started with the corner boys, but now the enforcers and even the high-ranking mob bosses are all turning into man bats. They have no idea why. And Batman says the man-bats are showing up in Gotham, too. So this is officially his problem. 
Dick just needs to stay out of it. He he looks down his cowl at him, which they could do because Affleck is six foot two, uh, Milo's about five foot ten. So that's perfect. It's just like the comics. And there's a new operator taking control of the drug trade and organized crime. His name is the Red Hood. So throughout the show, we'll have flashbacks of Batman seeing young Robin, and you think it's you know Batman training Dick, and that goes throughout the show. Um, in the present, you know, Dick Grayson was independently wealthy in the comic books. Um, he inherited the money from the circus somehow, <laughs> and he uh, Lucius yeah. Fox turned it into a small trust fund for him, which he invested and made it into a private fortune. So he didn't need anything from Bruce Wayne he, when he set out on his own. He said, I'm going to do this on my own. And I'm imagining that he moonlights with uh, Barbara Gordon, who at this point would probably be Oracle in the story. If we've made it through some dead Robins, we've probably got Batgirl as Oracle. Um, Oracle says something like, you know your dad will kill me if he finds out I'm helping you. And Dick says, he's not my dad, Barbara. <laughs> what do you know about these man-bats? Like, well, we know where they've come from. We've traced them to the League of Assassins. you got to go see Ra's al Ghul. So Dick goes to investigate. He's working out of a really large apartment, and I think that Will Arnett, the voice of Lego Batman, should play his perpetually annoyed neighbor <laughs> because Nightwing keeps be really hilarious. late hours. Yeah, Nightwing keeps really late hours, so I'm picturing Will Arnett in his gravelly voice like banging on the ceiling or banging on his door saying like, hey, Dick, shut up. <laughs> you know, I pay a homeowner's association fee, something like yeah. that. So I, love, I imagine – all right, well, it, and it goes – It goes. I've got a bit more. It goes from that, but basically it's going to end up with a three-way confrontation with uh, Red Hood, Dick, and Batman. And the Red Hood has captured both Batman and the Joker, and he's got him in the Wayne family graveyard. So picture that, and Red Hood takes off his masks and reveals that he's Jason Todd, and then you go back to a flashback, and that's going to be a big – uh, reveal that throughout the movie you've seen these flashbacks of Robin and Batman, and you've been led to believe that it's Dick. It was actually Jason, and it shows Jason dying, and he was resurrected by the Lazarus Pits, which is why Ra's al Ghul's involved. Ra's al Ghul would also have the serum for the man bat, um, you know, I guess you'd call it a plague, that they've come back to Gotham to try to use, but then the Red Hood reveals that he's Jason. And Jason's deal is he always wanted to be Batman. Dick always wanted to be his own hero. That was why he became Nightwing. He's become Batman in some iterations, but it was only when Bruce was unavailable or when they thought he was dead. For the most part, Dick was happier being Nightwing. Jason wanted to be what he thought was a better Batman, which meant lethal force. So he decided to turn the crime bosses to man bats <laughs> to to accomplish this, and you know basically have them tear one another apart. Um, he gives Dick an ultimatum in the graveyard. He says, "I'm going to inject, um, you know, Batman, and I'm going to inject the Joker with the man bat serum, unless you break the rule right now and kill me. You'll have to kill me to stop me, because we all know in the Bat family you don't kill." And in the end, you know, Batman will get free. They'll kind of subdue Jason. But then I imagine the Joker just injects himself with the Man-Bat serum for no particular reason other than just to have some fun. And then you can have a Joker bat, which has, you know, white skin, the tattoos, the green hair, yellow teeth, and red lips, and sell lots of toys of Joker bats. Sounds terrifying. 
yes, they all fight in the graveyard, and eventually, you know, they get Joker Bat back to normal, and Joker, you know, they have a chance to kill him, and Jason would say his line to Batman, um, which is brilliant in Under the Red Hood. Have you guys seen that? It's also in the comics, I guess, Under yeah, the Red Hood. Yes. He says <laughs> something like, you know, if he had killed you, Bruce, I would have searched the world for this death-worshipping piece of garbage and sent him on to hell, just him, for no other reason than he took me away from you. And, um, yeah, I, I get emotional <laughs> thinking about that one. we got to do that in a movie, a live-action movie. Do what? You feel the clumps a little bit, a little saddened, you know, missing oh, the eye. Yeah, it, it, and Batman uh, in the comics at one point said to Jason Todd, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was after uh, Bruce came back to life in uh, the comic series after Battle for the Cowl, he told Jason, you never should have been Robin. I let you be Robin because if I hadn't, you would have become the next Joker, the next villain, something, but you never should have been a hero. And that led Jason to kind of go nuts and – go ahead, sir. No, I was going to say, he kind of did anyways. I mean, that's inevitably what happened to him. But uh, that great right. great story, man. I, I really liked it. A lot of details, uh, very cool concept. Um, uh, I think all of us have different actors in mind for the role. Um, Let's share Juwan, some of those. Uh, yeah, no, we're, we're, I'm going to want to get Juwan's take on the news, and then we'll just go around real quick and just say like a name for an actor right afterwards before we go into the next topic. But, um, Juwan, how did you feel about all this information, and do you think that there's too many ingredients on this overloaded potato? Like, it's going to be too much taste, if you will, and not enough goodness. That was a horrible analogy. Um, <laughs> a little bit. Um, I want to start off by saying um, congrats to Chris McKay. Um, he's becoming a good friend to the, the, the Geek Vibes the Geek Vibes family, so I want to uh, congratulate Chris McKay. Um, but it's okay. I look at it like this Marvel every since 2008 few years or whatever has this huge celebration where Kevin Feige comes out and goes, here's what's going to be coming out, you know, over the next four or five years. And, you know, they have dates to them, but that's it. You know, we don't know who the directors are, you know, who the necessary stars are going to be, who's going to be in it. So DC going, we're going to do this project, this project, this project, this project. That's fine. That's completely fine. You just shouldn't be giving us any dates. You shouldn't be giving us any people that are attached to it because then that's where the issues start to come. Um, Because this is a Nightwing movie that may not come out until two, three years from now. So who's to say that Chris McKay will still be on to do it two, three years from now? So I think he better be adding and he better be. Yeah, I agree with you on that. But you attaching <laughs> names and stuff, all that does is build the hype and then when it doesn't happen or if, let me not say when it if it doesn't happen, it just causes crazy chaos. But I do love um the idea of a Nightwing movie. I think it's something that shouldn't have been announced until after Ben had his Batman solo that way we can introduce Nightwing in it. And then it'd make more sense for him to have his own movie. Um, but, yeah, I do agree. It has to it has to take place completely in Bloodhaven. Um, and the last point I want to make is to what Kanan was saying earlier. Um, when Roka was saying about, you know, you started your universe with Superman. Why aren't you catering more to Superman? That's mainly because same reason Marvel doesn't 
fully cater to Captain America. Iron Man's the more popular hero. Um, he just is. Um, so in this case, I'd say Batman's the more um, likable character out of the two in this movie universe. You have Ben Affleck playing Batman, and not nothing against Henry Cavill, but you have Henry Cavill playing Superman. So the bigger draw is always going to go to Batman, so everything's surrounded by Batman. But I do think the biggest fault uh, DC has made uh, for not giving Superman more you know, more screen time and more popularity is the fact that in that extended cut of BVS, it showed us that there was more story to Clark Kent and Superman that kind of got flushed out to, to pump in all that Batman. So I think the company as a whole has decided that it's just going to be a Batman universe and everyone else is just in it. So I, I think it is a Batman universe. We're going to have to get used to it, just like in Marvel. Think about it. Tony Stark in some way is in is either referred to or in almost every Marvel project. So I think that's how DC's catering towards uh Ben Affleck and Batman, that it's just a Batman's world. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um and also I think it's just really hard to tell a Superman story. Like it you know, yeah. like it's not it, it's it put it this way, I wouldn't say it's really hard, but it is harder to tell a Superman story than it is to tell a Batman story. Yep. Well, let's Batman's look at that. I mean, it more, makes sense. More, more... Go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, it makes sense because the way that we look at Batman and the way that we want comic book movies a lot of times is that even with the Marvel films, we want a center of realism. Batman shapes towards that mold more so than I think Superman does, at least when it comes mm-hmm. to the sense of doing the classic Christopher Reeve-style Superman, the G-golly-gosh. We're not like that as a society anymore. So the way that I, the way that DC and Warner Brothers went with Man of Steel, and in my personal opinion, is the best so far out of all the films from them, and I actually will say is a good film. The character study and the sci-fi concept they went with Man of Steel, I liked. It was a modern-style concept, but the level of optimism, you don't have to be so over-the-top, you know, uh, Boy Scout, if you will, to still be Superman. You can still have elements of that, but I think that's the reason why Batman, at least, is more feasible towards modern uh, films than Superman is, but I completely agree with you, Nick. What were you going to say, Juwan? I was just going to say, I mean, I feel as though that's been the biggest thing since uh, even the animated show. Let's not forget Superman yes. had an animated series, and oh, we I could gloss never over that. that. <laughs> we gloss over that because we love Batman the animated series so much. You go to mm-hmm. the animated film world. Batman has some of the greatest animated films. But I even told you guys when we did our animated list, I think Superman Doomsday is possibly the most um, slept-on animated film uh, DC has ever made. I also think Superman vs. the Elite was great. So it's just always been a thing of Batman's just a more popular character than Superman is. And I Batman's think that's just, just the way flawed. it's always going to be. Yeah, Batman has the flaws, Batman has the, the grit, and Batman can do the things that Superman can't. And he's rich. Yeah, sure, there's yeah, that. And, and he has lots <laughs> and lots of money. All right. All right, before I go on to the subject, and Kane, and I'll start with you for this. You can finish up what you're about to say and then go into it. Real quick, everyone name their number one actor they'd like to see play Nightwing, because I know that we all have one, unless you don't. Um, I'm going to still go with Stephen Ewan. I think that he would be great for the role. It would be a diverse pick, a little bit different. Um, and I think that he's kind of played that character before. Uh, Kane, how do you feel? 
I wouldn't be opposed to Stephen Yoon. I, I I think that my choice though, and I I've kind of put it out there on uh, Twitter is like I would really like to see Kit Harrington uh, come in mm-hmm. and play um, Nightwing. I just think that he has the build. I think he has the look. Uh, he's you know coming uh, coming off Game of Thrones. There's only you know two seasons left of that. He's just the it guy on the show. So I think he would be a great fit. But um, you know, uh, Stephen Yoon would would be a good fit as well. I just if I were to pick one, it would be uh, you know it'd be Kit Harrington. All right, Nick. I'm gonna pull one like kind of out of left field. Um, I don't I don't necessarily know if it'd be my favorite, but just to just to be a little bit different, um, I'm gonna go Justin Timberlake. Um, he's about 35. <laughs> Hey, hey, you can laugh. JT's got chops, man. He's a good actor. Oh, hey. He's he an does. entertainer. He, he, I mean, he's got all of the necessary. He's he's extremely good looking, which right, is well, you also know what, then, something that yeah. Dick Grayson, uh, you know, is. So if, if you're going to say Timberlake, I'm going to have to make one suggestion. Drop the the. Just make it Batman. Why is that? That's a reference to his movie, The Social Network, where he says that to the creator of Facebook. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> drop the the, just make it Facebook. <laughs> nice. Hey, um, guys, I I don't mean to I don't mean to interrupt. I, I gave my selection. Um, I'm probably gonna have to go in about ten minutes tonight. I know I said I'd stay the two hours, but my whole schedule throwing me off. I've got another two hour drive to get home. Um. I got a three-year-old I really want to see before I, before he goes to bed. <laughs> if he's listening, I want to say I love you, Joel, and uh, sorry, Paige. Sorry, it's been a crazy day. <laughs> I mean, hey, absolutely. Man, you... just, um... Yeah, go ahead, Dane. No, I was just going to say um, we just appreciate you being a part of our show, man. Do you want to stick around for ten minutes, or do you want to just yeah, ten more minutes is now? great. I, 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 I'm I'm sorry to even bail uh, in ten minutes, but it was just uh, after they changed my speaking time today. Um, phew, I, I just uh, I'm just not looking forward to another two hours on the road getting home, so I didn't want to make it too late, and I was hoping to see my son. But uh, yeah, keep going. Well, I got ten more minutes. Yeah. All right, I'll watch the clock for you, man. But definitely. Appreciate you being our guest, uh, regardless. Hey, we'll do uh, it again, Jordan, guys. Want... We'll do it when I have a day that's not so crazy, and I don't have to stop in a divorce lawyer's office to do the show. <laughs> no, no problem at all. Juwan, um, name name an actor that you'd like to see play the role. Um, Nick really caught me off guard with that one, man. I Thank I'm you, now just having I'm having visions of how much I'd love a Justin Timberlake Nightwing movie. Um, especially, you know, with no semblance of Batman in it at all, and he just has the movie to himself. Wow. Um, I'm going to go off a little bit, even though I don't think this is too much going going that far off. I I always loved what I saw from Dave Franco. I always thought he'd be uh, – I thought the, the role that was tailor-made for him was Johnny Storm, but I'd also love to see him take a shot at Nightwing. Um, but yeah, no, I'm going to go with Dane. I'm going to say Steven, uh, watching the walking dead. Dane brought this up before Andrew Lincoln and, uh, Rick is kind of like Batman and Steven since season one or two has always been like his Dick Grayson. So I, I definitely have to Until go Until this that, last season Dave... where he became Jason Todd and got his head bashed. <laughs> <laughs> he Jason Todd, absolutely. But I, I'm oh, going to say, uh, Nick just completely changed how I saw Nightwing uh, it's a great going choice. forward. So. That is hey, one. interesting that fact, is he, is, he was also my first pick for Johnny Storm. So Yeah, I'm with you on that. 
People sleep on his acting ability. Justin Timberlake is a really good actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I don't. Just, I, 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 have you seen him in Alpha Dog? Yeah, yeah, he's great in Alpha Dog. Yeah, and I even like In Time. Like, I know it's not like a really popular movie. It got shit on by you know critics, but I thought it was pretty good. I will say this about In Time. I thought it was trying to be more like a sci-fi James Bond, and the story itself kind of got twisted. But I thought he did an amazing job for the role. He even had flashes of him being really good in in action sequences when he was sitting in the chair and kind of took the guy out. I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. this guy could be doing something action-wise in the future. So I definitely agree with you. Like I said, you completely changed my thought on on Nightwing going forward. And hasn't Timberlake Timberlake already done a movie with Affleck? Didn't they do a movie together where Affleck was... uh... Yeah, Runner. Yes, they did. Runner, Runner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, yeah. So they already got kind of... Okay, well, that that sounds pretty pretty good. I, I do also want to say before we send it back to you, Dane... Justin Timberlake is listening to our show because everyone around the world is. So, Justin, if you're <laughs> yeah, listening, call Ben up. Let him know that you want to be Nightwing. <laughs> I just made a tweet about out. it to you guys. Yeah, call yeah. I need to see Justin Timberlake just for kicks, dress up as Nightwing. Just just for kicks. That That's that, awesome. Uh, we, could have a great, we could have a great album uh, out for that, for that movie from J- JT uh, dropping on the charts. Absolutely. But, uh, Great choices, guys. I definitely like this. I'll definitely throw out that it would never happen, but a big fuck you to Marvel would be uh, if Andrew Garfield played Nightwing. And I always said that he could have played a damn good <laughs> Nightwing too. Yeah, uh, but he's. I think he's. I think he's trying to make his Oscar collection uh, more, you know, prolific, if you will. So, hey, these are all great choices. But uh, let's keep on going on with this DC rumor stuff. Uh, trying to get another story out before Jay has to leave. Um, all right, so this, this came out of something that Humberto Gonzalez said, uh, I believe, uh, when he was doing a video, uh, that Green Lantern reportedly is going to be in the Justice League movie. But we don't know what Green Lantern it is going to be, um, if that Green Lantern is going to be a part of the Justice League itself. And he said that the name is, 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 a, is, a, is a very weird name. So in my realm of thinking, I think it's going to be Avin Sewer. Um, I think that he is going to have something to do with the ending and helping out them, and then he'll die, and maybe they'll do um, take story elements from Justice League A New Frontier and use that type of development where Hal Jordan is maybe a fighter pilot, or if they did John Stewart, he's in the military, and at the end of the whole entire war, one of them, or maybe both, or maybe just Hal, whatever they want to do, finds Abbasir's body, the whole entire ring thing happens at the end of the movie, and that becomes a Green Lantern going forward. I'm just throwing that out there. It's just ideas. Jay, since you got to leave uh, kind of soon, um, what do you feel about these reports? Do you think they're true? And All right. how do you see this going I, I have no uh, – you know what? It's just too early to call. Um, as far as Green Lantern, now, have we ruled out Jon Stewart? Apparently, uh, for the movie itself, as, as far as I know, and Kanan and Joan might know better than I do – it has been pretty much confirmed that Hal Jordan and John Stewart will be the two Green Lanterns in the Green Lantern movie, and it'll be a buddy cop film. Nice. All right. Um, you mentioned Avin, sir. I'll throw out Kilowog just for the heck of it. I love some Kilowog. Um, it was once yeah. said in a comic book, and this really doesn't translate at all to a movie because they're going to have sounds, but uh, Hal Jordan once said that Kilowog embodied power and that his usage of the ring was the only one among them that had a sound. 
Uh, obviously, when we get to movies and TV and animation, we have you know sounds for all the rings. But his point was well made that Kilowog packs a punch. He is a badass man. I'd love to see Kilowog. That's one thing the other movies got right, or the other movie got right, was on Oa with their lanterns between um, the late Michael Clark Duncan playing Kilowog or mm. uh, Sinestro's casting. Clark. Yeah, there's great casting, and that was like the best part of that movie. Um, Kanan, same question. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure, since Umberto said he didn't know the name of it, uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Tomar Ray because Tomar Ray was okay. the Green Lantern assigned to the same uh, planetary system that Krypton, and, and he always felt responsible for the destruction of Krypton. So with the movie surrounding the return of Superman, I think that's going to come in, and I could see Umberto not remembering Tomar Ray. So I think you know that's that's who that's who I feel is going to be the Green Lantern. He won't be the Green Lantern in the Green Lantern movie, but the Green Lantern in Justice League that they mention or maybe even show a glimpse of. I think that's who they'll be um, referring to. Nice, I, I like that. And Jeffrey Rush all... and Jeffrey Rush played him in the Green Lantern movie, which right. I mean, so no, and I, awesome. I can see that. I think we all I think we can all agree though that at least it's probably going to be an alien because if he's saying that he can't figure out like what his name is specifically, there's several of them that are like that. It could even be, and who knows? I mean, I don't think they would go with that, but, uh, uh, Bass, um, the, uh, the middle Eastern green lantern that's now popular in the comics, Simon Baz. I don't know. It could be anything. Nick, how do you Mm. feel about these reports? And uh, what do you think that they're going to do in the movie? Um, I don't know. I, honestly, like, I mean, I, y'all are much more well-versed in the mythos of Green Lantern than myself. Um, so, I, I mean, I love all of y'all's ideas. Any one of those, I'm, I'm A-OK with. Well, we appreciate that, Mick. We, we uh, like your additional support. You don't support. sound like it, dang. <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm being very serious right now over the phone, I promise. John, cool. uh, same question. Um, well, I'm hearing it's either uh, Avansur or it's definitely going to be Kilowog. Um, and the main reason what I'm hearing is um, there's two ways to go about it. One way that sets up the Green Lantern because you don't really have to have an origin story going forward is having his um, his ship crash, the guy who you know passed Hal Jordan on his ring, having the ship crash in Justice League um, and maybe him not being injured when it crashes, but something happened during the last battle that injures him, um, you know, and forces him to die, and then the ring leaves. And then Kilowog. Um, Kilowog hearing about what's going on in, um, on Earth, and Kilowog being sent to go investigate the whole mother boxes and the potential of, um, shit, Darkseid, you know, coming, uh, coming back. There's a a bunch of different ways you could look at it, but I'm hearing those two names, and those two names make the most sense because I think if you go ahead and put any other Green Lantern character in that movie, it just really confuses people, and I think DC has done enough confusing. Yeah, Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Um, All right, well, uh, hopefully 
whatever they do will make sense to be able to set the Green Lantern movies off uh, into a good start. I think this will be the start, basically, of those movies going forward. And I hope we get, like, a Guardians of the Galaxy, but, like, not as, like, jokey type of feel with the Green Lanterns. Just being a bunch of cops in space from different planets, having to do something intergalactic. I would take it away from Earth. I hope they don't do that. But DC's going to do what they want, um, and then they might fire the person that does what they want, and then another person do what they want right then and there, and then so on and so on. They'll fix point is, they will figure it the, the fuck out, and we will all be okay. But, uh, Jay, uh, it's 9 o'clock. Um, guys, you guys are you awesome. I, will, I would hope you'll have me back sometime when I can stay on the whole show. It's just been a crazy day, but thank you so much. Um, again, uh, check me out at uh, Jay Sandlin Writer uh, on Twitter, uh, jaysandlinwriter.com. Uh, Friday, we're going to debut the... Um, audio trailer for the novel comics series we've been talking about. It's going to be in the voice of some of the characters. Um, two of my heroes named Atlas and Clockwork will be the uh, featured ones there, as well as a villain called the Okinawa Dragon. So uh, some cool guys there you'll hear about. <laughs> um, also, you uh, check me out um, on Facebook at uh, the Jedi Library and Archives and Retro Star Wars Strikes Back. I post, uh, I'm a writer for those two sites as a Jay Sandcrawler, <laughs> and uh, we're nice. going to have Astro March Month. You can talk about your favorite astromech droids. Um, and then just uh, finally, next week, uh, check me out. I will be on a, a podcast on March 4th, the Naked Porch podcast in the Potter and Family I'm sorry, the, what is it? The <laughs> I can't even talk. It's been such a long day. Potter and Family hashtag family there so uh, i'll be hanging out with them and talking some more novel comics and uh debuting those trailers actually so we'll be talking about that there and um last but not least i love you guys uh talking about nightwing i think those are some good ideas i can't wait to see what they come out with well we just appreciate you taking the time to being on our show man you know it was a lot of fun we'll definitely have you back uh later on and uh just have a good night man Wish me luck. I've still got a two-hour drive home, so I will talk to you later. Good luck. And, uh, all right. You guys have a great night, too. We'll see you later. And uh, tweet me, too. Tweet me at jsandlinwriter.com. Anything I miss, just send me a tweet. I'll get it when I get home. <laughs> all right. Sounds good, Sounds good. Thanks again, man. All right. You, too. Goodbye. Dane, I did want right. to add – hello? Uh-huh. Oh, sorry. Yep. Uh, no, <laughs> I was saying I did want to add uh, what you were saying about uh, hoping Green Lantern's not too Guardians of the Galaxy uh, as far as the um, being too comical. From what I'm hearing, Green Lantern is going to be a space buddy cop film, but it's going to be a darker Hal Jordan. Like the story itself is is, is a lot darker um, than, of course, what we got from the Ryan Reynolds version. But it is going to be a little darker. So I think the humor will come um, in spurts but it won't be Guardians of the Galaxy type uh, humor. What are you hearing yeah, about the suit? Like... Is it going to be animated? <laughs> oh, God. Say it again? I hope not. He asked the suit I... to be animated. Uh, oh, no. You know, the I, I... Yeah, no, I think they're going to they're gonna stay away from that. I think the, the photo that we saw was um, – Jason Momoa and Zack Snyder hugging it out with the black suit in the back that we were saying is either Batman's or Nightwings or Green Lanterns. It's gonna be like that. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna animate it. I don't think they're gonna go down that road again. 
mainly when you have a movie like Deadpool that, you know, that spends a little time, you know, pooping all over it. I don't think you want to remind us of that horrible movie. So I think they're going to stray away from that. It's going to be regular suit, you know, with the, the black and then the green on the end. I think they'll, they'll stick more with that. I think they should just do completely naked and they can have giant green dongs and keep their rings on their dongs. <laughs> that's how they do it. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, let's get away from that. I just wanted to also just uh, thank Jay yeah, for let's coming get far in. Away from that. Uh, let's let's uh, give it a round of applause for him being our guest tonight. Uh, awesome dude. Had a lot of great information. Um, and just was a lot of fun to talk to. So we'll definitely have him on in the future. Geek Five Nation, definitely check him out on Twitter. Hit him up. And, uh, yeah, all right, uh, just, just about guests in general. If you guys like watching our show, you got your own Twitter account. Don't think there's anyone too, too big, too small. If you'd like to see someone on our show, hit them up on Twitter. Say, hey, you should be on Geek Fives. Try to create a stir. Kind of push them in the direction of Kanan or Juwan because I don't know how to use Twitter. It's like email for my dad. Um, but that's how we get people on here. Besides them working hard, is just like communicating. So let's let's keep on doing that, guys, and we'll keep on going with the show. Let's get to our next story because we've only gone over like two of them so far, and we're on our second hour. That's uh, uh, all right. So David Thulis, I hope I pronounced that right. Um, I think, rumored to play. No, I, I think he's confirmed to play Ares in Wonder Woman um, after the screening event they just had, uh, in which Wonder Woman got received. They had they had a screening for Wonder Woman. It wasn't just for the Warner Brothers executives, where, where, like BVS. It was for a bunch of people, uh, people that know other people in the industry. John Schnepp's a couple of his friends were at it. They said only positive things about Wonder Woman. Uh, they had a lot of good things to say. So, I mean, this is only a uh, small group of people seeing the movie, but just the fact that the majority was positive, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, but let's just go over these two things. Uh, Juwan, starting with you. Um, I don't really know David Thewlis. I know that he's in the Harry Potter movies. Unfortunately, guys, I've never seen a Harry Potter flip besides the first one, and I only saw that once. So don't hate me out there. I've, I've meant to go back and watch them. But how do you feel about him playing uh, Ares in this movie? A lot of people thought it was going to be, including me, I thought it was going to be Danny Houston, but I guess he's playing the general. And um, uh, how do you feel about this screening? Should that mean anything going forward? Before, actually, just keep that thought. Sorry, I just saw that. We have uh, Joel on the line, so I'll, I'll grab him in. Joel, go to you, and then you know, you know how that is. Hey, Joel, what's up, man? Yes. What's up, fellas? Well, right, man. I, I just, I'm, I'm asking. I'm asking Juwan um, about the David Thewlis uh, rumor for Aries, um, and also about the Wonder Woman screening. Uh, so, Juwan, start us off for this topic. Um, well, you know that guy being casted as um, Aries, the the description they were giving us of Ares, that he's not the solid figure that we'd assume him to be. It's more of like a ghostly type of vibe with, um, with Ares. I'm very disappointed, um, you know, uh, that it's not the guy you were saying, uh, Dane, because he not only has the presence about him, but he has the voice that could uh, definitely yeah. take Ares to a new level. Um, and that's just really disappointing. Um but uh, as far as as far as hearing positive reviews about it, um, I think we all know that that's like a fifty fifty thing. Reviews could be great, we go see it and don't like it, or reviews could be horrible and we go see it and love it. So I never really give that much credence to um, reviews unless they're all negative. <laughs> then that's when I'm like, oh, holy shit! 
Um, but yeah, like, oh. I, I usually don't pay that much. Yeah, I'm like, oh, God, they're all horrible. Um, so I, I don't usually hold that against movies if, like, you know, half is – it was good and half was it's horrible. But, like I said, as far as him playing Ares, I don't know much about him outside of Harry Potter, and I did see the movies, and I'm still disappointed that he's Ares. So, yeah, that's just my thoughts. All right, Joel, uh, same same question about uh, the actor playing Ares and also the screening for Wonder Woman. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't care. Like, it's cool. David Thewlis is Ares. All right, fine. I mean, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, if it was, uh, was it, what's his name? Um, the other guy, the guy that's playing the general. I'm not Danny Oh, uh, Danny Huston. Danny Houston or uh, Danny Huston. There you go. It's, it's Houston. Yeah. I'm not 100% Houston, convinced. Texas. Not, right, Hudson. It's, I think it's Hudson. Or Houston. Whatever. One of the two. Um, I'm not 100% convinced that he's not involved in some capacity with Aries. Um, oh, I think he is. But I think he is, too. But um, if it, but at the end of the day, if it's David Thewlis, he's a good actor. Uh, I've seen all the Harry Potter movies. Not that I've enjoyed all, all of them, but... um. He he was okay, I guess, and I don't know. This doesn't really make a difference to me. I, I, I felt no, I had no specific feeling towards it. I didn't know very. I don't know much about the list of South aside from the Harry Potter movies. So uh, I just want to see Aries be brought to life. And if he does a good job, then I don't care who's playing Aries, you know. Uh, and the whole positive review thing, uh, it's good to hear. It's always good to hear positive things, but until you get in the theater yourself, you won't know for sure, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Nick, uh, how did you feel about the casting? I was hoping Roseanne Barr was going to play Ares. Uh, apparently that's not going to happen. <laughs> and how yeah, do you feel about I, the uh, screening? I, 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 honestly, I, yeah, I was, I was shooting for Rosie O'Donnell, so kind of in your same vein. Um, but, you know, we can't always get what we want. Um, no, I'm cool. Cutie or cutie? <laughs> My Tommy. Um no, David David Dulles is a good actor. Like that's fine. Um, I I kind of wonder how much of a role he will play, um, since they were able to keep this under wraps for so long. And um, you know, like it, it, obviously the, all of the all of the press pressings and release stuff and everything showed off Houston a lot more. Um, so I you know I I wouldn't expect him to have like a huge role. So you know if that's the case. There's no need to get, like, a huge, big name. Um, but when I, I did get a little more excited when when the rumor was that Houston was going to be masquerading as this general but actually be Aries. I think he would have um, fit the bill for that. Um, but, you know, it's it's all good. Um, as far as the, the positive reviews, like, thank God, man. Like, I know it's early. I know it's just like a, like a screening and, you know, it's not everybody, you know, it's a – and, you know, a lot of times the people who, um, you know, they, they get to go to these are already going to be hyped for it. Um, you know, you're maybe going to try to pick and choose people who you think will maybe like the film. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not all in yet, but I'm, I just really want it to be good, you know. I mean, after the first three movies, I agree with you, Dane. I think Man of Steel is a good movie. Um, it's got, it's definitely has some flaws, particularly in the, in the editing. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I want this one to just be the the one that makes us all be like, yes, finally a great DC film. So you like want the one, um, no, and I, I, I actually agree <laughs> with you. Uh, 
You know, this is a shapeshifter. And, you know, there's a good possibility that it can make us think that these are two separate people. But at the end, right. Danny uh, Houston ends up being Aries uh, in disguise. So who knows? But, uh, Kanan, how do you feel about both these uh, news items? Well, um, I, I was I was a little I was a little disappointed when I found out you know that the you know the rumor was that he would be playing Aries because I really for the for the longest I thought Danny Houston was going to be uh, playing Aries I just feel like he would have had the chops to play a more you know sinister role um, as Aries but are we are we allowed, are we allowed to talk speculation spoilers based on some stuff I read I mean can I get into that I don't I don't know if we I want to get y'all's opinion. Get y'all's sure. approval. You gave, okay. You gave a warning. Well, there, there were there were two there were two guys on Twitter that posted pictures with uh, Zack Snyder and Patty Jenkins at the screening for Wonder Woman. Uh, it's been confirmed by Schnapp and a lot of other people that there was an actual screening. They went on to Reddit and they posted. They were like one of the first ones to break the news that. Uh, David Dwellis was going to be playing Ares, that it was a swerve by Warner Brothers the whole time, and that uh, that the mix, that Ares is the most badass-looking villain that DC's had out yet, that he's a mixture of live-action and CGI, and that Dwellis plays a uh, kind of a concierge to Wonder Woman, like an ally, uh, where he's um, assisting her and um, advising her on things, but at the but the whole time he's secretly planning and pulling the strings behind all this because as we know Ares is the god of war. So and then that's when he finally reveals himself and it's supposed to be like one of the the most awesome reveals. Plus you know uh, there was talks you know that Wonder Woman. You can just see the betrayal in her face because she really trusted him, and so when I read all that, you know, and I, you know, it's speculation because people can go and read it all the time and say it. But this person was like, "Hey, I got pictures to prove it and all this stuff," but I'm just like, "Oh my god, I'm sold on this." This and it's like it, it's made it like one of my most hyped movies of the year. Like that's kind of like iffy on Wonder Woman, but now I'm like, "Oh my god!" I think that's why so many people are like Wonder Woman's the it movie for the year. Hopefully, I definitely really want it to happen. I, I think it's important, not just for DC, but for females when it comes to directing and yes. starring in roles. So, yeah. Um, but we have a, we actually have a caller, guys. So we're gonna take a caller. They're gonna ask their question, and then we're gonna go from there. How's that sound? All right. <laughs> I don't really care. All right. So let's get this caller out. Oh, never mind. They just uncued themselves, so they're just gonna listen. So uh, just pretend I wasn't talking. Okay. Swear they have a little question mark thingy. They want it in. They want it in. Um, all right, but if you are out there and you want to join our conversation, uh, call 929-477-3781. You'll be on hold at that point, but you'll be listening to us. If you want to join the conversation, ask a question, or maybe the past stuff that we were talking about, or maybe something else, uh, just press 1. All right. Anyways, let's keep on going, guys. Um, also, uh, just real quick, though, uh, did it, everyone saw the Ares uh, action figure. I thought it looked really cool. A lot of people are, are mad that it doesn't have, like, Spartan helmet, and it's made of, like, animals. Uh, but the Toy Fair itself that came out, if you guys want to check out some really ki- cool pictures online, just check out Toy Fair. They had, like, a bunch of different designs for uh, Justice League costumes um, and also this Ares figure that looks very reminiscent of the comic books, just with a little bit of a different helmet. Some purists are bitching about it online, but they fucking will bitch about everything. Sorry, guys. 
We just have to do things differently. But uh, let's let's get on to our next and one of my favorite things that we're going to talk about tonight, guys. Um, I have not been – I've been enthusiastic about Inhumans, but when they made this fan casting that I've had for a long time real for the Inhumans TV show coming out on ABC, I lost my mind, okay? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, the first person that's been cast in Inhumans, Game of Thrones actor uh, – God, Ewan Rion, uh, a.k.a. Ramsey – Bolton, the biggest bastard in the world, the only one who's worse than Joffrey as a villain on that show, which is amazing, at least to me. Uh, he will be uh, Black Bolt's evil brother, Maximus the Mad. The, I mean, it, not only that, if you guys have seen a picture of Maximus the Mad, search it on Google. He looks exactly like him. Um, and also, as been reported from some of the guys working on the project, that Fox is pursuing a lost alum, alumni to join a mystery role. Now, we don't know what this is. I'm hoping maybe it's Matthew Fox's Black Bolt because I think that would be a great casting. But this is great stuff for this TV show that's going to start with the IMAX movie and then go on into a series on ABC. And even if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ends up uh, you know, dwindling off in the next season or two because of ratings – I think this show is actually going to be a success because of the actors they're picking, and especially if they have like just a little bit of creativity that seems similar to a Game of Thrones. That's the right approach, if you will. Nick, I know that you are a huge Game of Thrones fan. How do you Fuck feel yeah. about Inhumans' major villain, Maximus the Mad, getting played by Ramsey fucking Bolton? Fucking awesome, dude. It's like, oh, man, I'm so excited. And, like, the thing with me, like, you guys know, like, I'm not, like – not really big into network television. It takes a lot to get me excited about a network television show, even if it is like comic book characters. Like it, it just takes a lot. Um, I am so 100% on board with everything that they're doing, and this casting just makes me like fucking giddy. Like I'm just like you, Dave. Like I mean, I think anybody who they watches Game of Thrones, like it's it's hard it's hard to to have a character that you love to hate as more more than you love to hate Ramsey Bolton. Like they they just capture that and like the fact that he's gonna get to play Maximus the Mad, like fuck yes, dude. That is golden casting. Golden casting. Yeah, perfect casting. Um Juwan, how do you feel about the casting news and also the 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 rumor about them picking a lost alumni? Um, like you said, Fox playing um uh, Black Bolt, I'd be completely fine with that. When you said it, I was just like, yeah, no, I mean, that's spot-on casting. But the casting that we got um, that's official, I don't think you can get any more accurate uh, of a casting for that character than the guy that they ch- uh, that they picked. Um, I'm hyped for it. I was hyped for it before, but I'm even more hyped for it. And then if they come out and say that, um, was it Fox, Matthew Fox, is that his name? No, I I just realized what I did. I'll have to clarify. I did. I was suggesting Matthew Fox for the role of Black Bolt. I wrote in my notes, Fox pursuing a lost alumni for mystery role. I mean ABC. I don't know why. I'm, I'm getting my marbles mixed up, guys. I apologize. You know, Inhumans and fucking Mutants. Uh-huh. Are kind of like so I was reading it wrong, but what I meant to say is they're pursuing apparently a Lost alumni. So one of the cast stars on Lost, one of the major ones, is playing a character. So I was assuming that Matthew Fox for Black Bolt. I have no idea, though. I'm just kind of hoping. Yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, to me, that's perfect. Um, I haven't seen that much from from uh, Matthew Fox, but, I mean, 
you're not really talking that much in this role, so I'm not really that worried yeah. about what your previous roles were because uh, you're not really talking. You just have to have that, that presence, and I feel as though he has that presence. Okay, um, Joel. Uh, 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 it is um, the awesomest, most perfect casting I've seen in a fucking while. Uh, Ramsey Bolton yeah. is playing Mr. Mad. That. When I saw it, I was like, wow, I couldn't have casted it better myself. And, you know, we're fans. We do some of the best casting ever. But, yeah, that, I, I can I, – they, they nailed it with that one. And I'm so – that made me more – I was already excited. I was very curious to see where they went with this. But this made me really excited because you get someone like that, they're not playing around. And now you're saying that there might be a lost alumni joining the, the cast. And I'm very curious to see who that actually is. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was Matthew Fox as uh, uh, Black Bolt. That would be uh, that'd be pretty good. I don't know. I would have to see it, but I'm not, I, I'm not against it. He definitely has the chin. <laughs> you know, that's all I really need. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's all I need. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Kanan. Uh yeah, once once Ramsey was uh, axed on Game of Thrones, I was like, this dude better get something quick because he was the villain you love to hate. Joffrey was a whiny little bitch, and he deserved mm-hmm. to die. Ramsey was the pinnacle villain on that show. And, yes, when he died, everybody was like, yes, he got what he deserved as well. But that dude can act. I mean, and I was so glad. I even tweeted it. And, I mean, I was just like, oh, my God, I got to get this out. I, I can't wait to see how people react. And I think, like, two or three people retweeted. I'm like, do people not realize how great this dude is? I mean, this is huge, man. I mean, why – where's the love? I think he's just – I think people just, like, see him as Ramsey and they're like, fuck that guy. Uh, he was terrible. But when they see him in this role, I think it's going to change their opinion. And uh, this is this is huge. And this is a TV show, so, I mean – can you imagine, like, if this was this guy was like leading the movies? I mean, an actual movie. I mean, this guy needs more roles in any type of universe. So I'm I'm stoked beyond. I mean, this is like my uh, other than Defenders, this this Marvel show is like the one that I will not miss just because of this guy. And of course, yeah, well, Matthew I, Fox. I mean, he's great as well. But I, I, the 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 Ramsey casting to me is bigger, but just because. I love Game of Thrones, and that that guy just oh oh my goodness! Could you imagine if he was in DC? You got Nightwing, Kit Harrington, and him and somebody else, them two going at it. Oh my gosh, that'd be awesome! Oh, with cool. Jason Momoa there too. Um, I do want to yeah, ask Dane exactly. Dane, I do want I do want to ask you this, Dane. With yes. Inhumans becoming a show, do you think that eliminates any possibility of it ever being um, part of the MCU movie universe? Or will this forever just yeah. be a show like its own thing? I don't think it's impossible for it to be a part of it, but all right. So we all, or a good portion of us, know that the whole entire split between Kevin Feige going under Pew Mutter, the reason why the movies aren't doing that is because Kevin Feige did not want to do the Inhumans, uh, at least, you know, uh, you know, at sometime soon. Like he, that was like in the back burner. Pewmutter wanted that so badly. So this is this has always been his baby with Jeff Lowe. Uh, so that's why they've worked it out where they can have a movie to start it off and have a tev- television series afterwards. So this is the thing is, if if the Disney people wanted them to have every fucking character in a film, they can do. They're going to do that. 
but they know that the two of them kind of want to isolate themselves creatively. And it kind of works out in a way between having them separate so they don't have to worry about coexisting so much or codepending, I should say. So, yeah, that's, that's basically how I look at it. All right. Yeah. I was just, I was just curious because the way I look at it is like uh, the Netflix uh, shows, they're great on their own. They don't ever need to cross mm-hmm. over ever. And in humans, depending on how they round out this cast and how the first season is, if that's as great as the Netflix series, I say don't ever kind of like cross them. Just let it be, let it be its own thing. Just build something with that. Let it be its own thing. If anything, kind of cross it with uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., if anything. There's definitely more of a possibility to see TV-to-TV crossovers than there is to be uh, the opposite. Um, I think that even if S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, goes under, which I keep on saying that, it's only because of it's, it's been doing bad in the ratings. I'm only getting it from that information. But I think there's still a possibility for a Ghost Rider show with that character jumping off of that. I think they still have a lot of different things to do. Um, and you could definitely see, especially since on the same network, Shield and Inhumans crossing over. But apparently, Inhumans gonna have a very different vibe altogether about it. I would like to see Ghost Rider go to uh, go to Netflix. I I don't think ABC can do it justice. I think Netflix would be the best place for it. They can get a little bit darker. They can get deeper. Um, I would almost like Inhumans to go to Netflix. Really, I wish ABC would just drop all of their their Marvel shows, and they all go to Netflix just because they just tell a better story, and people you know tend to uh, have better receptions with those. So, I, I kind of partially agree with you there. Um, the one saving grace to me that like ABC is doing is they're doing an eight episode run. So, like I feel like the fact that they're doing an eight episode run, the fact that they're getting IMAX to you know help with the funding which means they can pay for better actors, hopefully pay for better effects and everything else. And because it's not so stretched out over, you know, 20 plus episodes, um, I think the quality of this show is going to be of a much higher, I think you'll see it more like Legion, honestly, like what they're able to achieve with Legion. We can only hope. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, mean, that would be good for, yeah, that would be good for a, a, for a network show. I mean, FX can, can get by with a lot more than ABC can. So if ABC can kind of push it a little bit and get the same quality and the same acting, then then I would say yes. But I think eventually, you know, carry you know move the the series over to Netflix if it if it takes off, just because you can tell you know a, a darker you know deeper story. And that's I think that's people love that side of Marvel, uh, you know, the Netflix shows. So. I mean, I I personally just think Mar- uh, ABC should take on some of Marvel's more lighter projects, only because when you keep grabbing these darker stories, they're not going to hit as well as, like, the Netflix shows because the Netflix yeah. shows are able to go darker. So when you have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we know that that show's trying its best to go a little darker. You know, that's why they put it at the 10 o'clock spot. They're trying to go a little darker than what they usually do on that network, but it's never going to hit as hard as it would if it was in Netflix for you to go a lot darker. So I just think ABC going forward should just grab lighter uh, lighter characters and build something off of that. Squirrel Girl. I agree with that. Squirrel Girl. I was about to say the same thing. Uh, Squirrel Absolutely. Girl would be a great show to do. Um, yeah. especially they just need to stick to what works. 
let's 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 go on uh, from this subject, guys. Um, I was trying to find this article that Joel posted earlier with Simon Kimberg. It was uh, a, an update, basically him confirming. I'll, I'll say the headline first, okay? We all we we knew about this week. Simon Kimberg and talks to write and direct the next X Men movie. Now the details of this conversation that happened, I think today with Comic.com, and I don't know why I couldn't find it, is that there's no confirmation that he's directing. Uh, he's writing it, but we—that's—that's we, that's actually just conjected rumors at this point, uh, this early in the process. Uh, there was also other information involving Wolverine and him saying that uh, something I completely don't agree with, and I don't know how you guys will feel about this, is that um, with Hugh Jackman stepping out, they're thinking about taking a break from Wolverine. Uh, he said that he loves the X-23. He doesn't know how you would get her to be able to be a part of that, but you know. I just think that not only – I mean, I said I was going to give him the benefit with directing because he's been around it for so long, and it makes me kind of happy that, that maybe he's not. And it's uh, if he does, I'll be fine with it. But if they can get Matthew Vaughn to come back and direct another X-Men movie because he did great with First Class, that would be amazing. But either way, also the comments with the Wolverine I think is kind of dumb. Um, I don't think you cut – I've always said this, and this also includes – you know, how I feel for the whole Ben Affleck Batman thing. Um, the character is bigger than the actor. Uh, you don't get rid of the character uh, because the actor's stepping off. Uh, you know, James Bond, you recast. Uh, even now with Indiana Jones and Han Solo, they're both getting recast, you know. So, to me, you find another actor to play Wolverine and you go from there. Uh, he's been playing Wolverine now, and I, I love him for it, but for 15, no, 17 years now. Okay, it's okay to, like, change up the actor. You can take him out for a while, but I don't like those comments specifically. Joel, maybe you can remember more, because I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, that you posted this earlier. Uh, I don't believe it was me. I, I responded to it, is what I did. Damn it. Um, I can, Damn it. I can always find it. I'll find it. No big deal. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I, what, the thing is, I agreed completely with what you said about the whole thing. Like, um, Maybe that's what I, I remembered. Think, I, yeah, I literally disagreed with you. This is what I, what it was. Um, what I felt was, like you just said, um, Kimberg is a writer, and he has his ups and his downs. This will be his first directing gig, so it's a little shaky. But I do. The only thing I do like about the idea of it is that he knows he's been with these characters so long, so he kind of he knows it, you know. So I like the fact that he knows the material. That's kind of that's all that's all I got. So that's why I'm okay with it. And I'm cool with it. <laughs> but but I don't know directing wise. I wouldn't know because he's never he's never directed anything. So I just gotta take it on blind faith that he you know they can do a decent job. And I don't in the movies itself. Supposedly there might be some filming this summer, and really we don't know much about it, which is insane. So we're all it's all speculation. Um, the whole thing with Hugh Jackman, Wolverine, I've been saying this forever. I love Hugh Jackman. And I bet this movie coming out this week is going to be amazing. And I'm going to tell you this, he's replaceable. Wolverine is bigger than Hugh Jackman. No offense to Hugh Jackman at all. And for those people thinking that someone else could take over Wolverine, it's possible. It, it's there. Like, I think I would love to see it eventually. I'm saying give it like five years or three years. But I'm not, I want to see him again. You can't just go. You can't use Wolverine retire the character. That's 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 stupid. That's absolutely stupid. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, I I'll say something very unpopular. I mean, I think any actor, like I love Robert Downey Jr. But I hate to say it, if they if he didn't want to do it anymore and they want to still use Iron Man, 
They could get another actor, and you could still play a good Tony Stark. Maybe not as good as the other one, but just like Batman, there's going to be other people. Uh, do you agree with me on that one, Juwan, or was that a little bit too much? Um, well, you and Joel both make uh, great points. The characters are definitely replaceable. Um, it just depends because uh, we know Logan comes out, you know, comes out next week. So if you're talking about you're going to be shooting a new X-Men film with a new Wolverine, then it's kind of like that's a little too goddamn soon, especially because whatever that that uh, actor does in that role, we're going to hold it to what Hugh Jackman did. That's just it's just natural. It's just what we do. Um so it's going to have to be a damn great casting, or I think you let this X-Men film go, and then you kind of let it breathe a little bit, and your next X-Men project, you can either bring in X-23 or Wolverine. Um, I personally think you should just take a break from Wolverine and go X-23, um, especially from the things we, we see uh, this this girl uh, does in the movie Logan. Um I think they should make that switch. But if someone told me, hey, you know, they recasted Wolverine, I wouldn't be like, no, it's only ever made for Hugh Jackman. I'm fine recasting it. I just definitely think it needs its grace period. I mean, I think even between uh, The Dark Knight Rises and Superman vs. Batman, we had a little bit of time to adjust to the idea of there being another Batman. Yeah, Yeah. but I'm saying, you know, we had some time to go, okay, all right, that was Christian Bale's. Is a fresh take. I think if you're talking about it starts shooting this summer and you're casting another Wolverine, then that's definitely something I'm like, yeah, no, kind of stay away from that because it, it's too close to, you know, to Logan. No, yeah, I can yeah, agree with you on that. Here's the quote that I forgot about. Thanks, Joel, for sending me that. Um, yeah. All right. So this is what he says about specific, specifically with the plot of this upcoming X-Men movie. I think if they're saying it's Supernova. I hope that's actually not the, the lasting title. But and he said, I think the big mistake uh, with uh, X-Men The Last Stand, because he was one of the writers on that movie. Um, I think the big oh. mistake, and if anybody is to blame for it, it's the writer, and I was one of them. It's that we made The Dark Phoenix a subplot of the film instead of making it the main plot. The Dark Phoenix story is the biggest and in many ways the most epic saga of the X-Men comics. And if you can't make you can't make that character a B plot in the movie. If we were lucky enough to have the opportunity to retell that story, and certainly what we did with the end of Days of Future Past gave us the opportunity to retell it, I think we all would want to give it justice and give it time and space to breathe like it deserves. Alright. But the thing about this statement your problem with the movie wasn't that you put Phoenix as the side plot. Your problem with the movie was that you didn't understand what the Dark Phoenix was. It's not a it's not a disease that branches off of her power in her head like a split personality. It's a cosmic entity that that jumps in her because she can handle it mentally for this cosmic entity to be able to do that. It's an intergalactic story that involves you know the sheer empire. And I'm getting sweaty right now, but. I hope that's not how they're approaching it. Um, I hope that they're trying to make it more like, like, and I'm the one who always says adapt stuff the way that you want to tell a story. But obviously you did it one way. It didn't work. Definitely have some cosmic elements. Bring in the Shire Empire. Bring in Lalandra. Bring in that whole entire concept. 
I just don't see them, you know, uh, doing it well without embracing that. Uh, Nick, I don't think I've talked to you yet. Uh, how do you feel about all this? Oh, well, you just gave me a lot to talk about. Um, as far as I 100% agree with everything you just said, um, they, that to me that is the biggest problem with with The Last Stand is the fact that and, – and, and he did the same thing in, uh, in Apocalypse. Like, it still is – a, like a force that is within her like I think it can be saved but I think what needs to happen is maybe you open up the movie with a flashback sequence of her um, even maybe like right around 12, 13 because that's usually like when, when uh, like puberty is usually when the a mutant's power manifests um, and kind of have something that ties in the cosmic entity. So it sets up the fact that um, the cosmic entity, uh, she already had it before um, she met Xavier and before she met everybody else. And so that's why, like, Xavier didn't realize it in The Last Stand or in Apocalypse. But I definitely think that they need to make that work somehow. And that would be very different from how she got it in the comics, but at least it would it would explain that it is not just some manifested power that she holds herself. Um, so I'm a hundred percent on board with you there. As far as, um, as far as the Wolverine, um, talk, I'm with Jawan. I feel like, um, maybe take a, a break from Wolverine for at least a couple movies. Um, and, and, you know, I think Joel, I think you said like, uh, like, um, Wolverine is bigger than, than Hugh Jackman. Um, but I think Hugh Jackman made Wolverine that big. Like, I think if you go pre-2000 and you did a poll of the popular superheroes, Wolverine might make that list, but he might not. Now I think he's Wolverine. No, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's he's a solid force. Hold on, hold on. The reason why they did an X-Men film is because of the popularity of Wolverine selling toys in the 90s. Wolverine at one time was underneath Superman, Spider-Man, and Batman in the 90s as the most popular superhero. I I yeah. can't like get behind that at, at all. Wolverine was well, top three. Maybe, maybe not, but I I would say this. I would say he has cemented himself in that fourth fourth place spot now. Like, and I think a lot of that has to do with Hugh Jackman. Now, conversely, I think Hugh Jackman owes m- even more to the character. So I do agree with Joel that the character is bigger than the actor, and the actor has benefited a lot off of that character. But I think. There, to some degree, the the other that can be said about the character from Hugh Jackman's portrayal. Um, but like my my two favorite X Men movies don't even have Wolverine in it, except for like a thirty second cameo in First Class. So I think you can do a couple of movies. I definitely agree with you. You you can't completely go away from the character, obviously. But I do I do feel like um, like kind of like what Juwan said, like. Wait, um, um, at least one movie, maybe even two movies, and then you can kind of bring back the character in some kind of um, new, new kind of recasting, and, and you know what have you. Um, and as far as Kinberg, I'm just not really a fan of his take on on X Men. Like, I, I don't think he he necessarily like is bad. Like, I think he delivers fun movies. Like, I think I said this earlier, um, Dane. I think like. All of the X Men movies are reasonably fun movies. Some are bad, and then others are really good, but none of them are, are like just like mm. utter garbage. 
uh, at least in my opinion. Um, so, I mean, I, I won't shit on the guy. I mean, I think he's done an okay job. I just don't think he – I think there's got to be somebody out there who understands the characters, what they mean, how they, how they interact and what they mean to the fans in the real world. Um, and I, I would just like to see that. Like, give somebody else a shot. Give somebody else a shot to write it. Um, and, and, you know, like I said earlier, too, um, I think the better X-Men properties are the ones that he doesn't write. So why not, why not bring somebody else in and give them a shot? I, I, I can agree with that, definitely. They, just, mm-hmm. they, need, they need new blood. We've even said this Singer. I, it's not that I think that Brian Singer's a bad actor. If you say that in defense of the X-Men movies, you're a mm-hmm. fucking idiot. Uh, because he's directed some amazing films other than, like, At Pupil and Valkyrie and fucking, um, uh, I can't remember his main one. Uh, wow. The Usual Suspect. Like, he's made some amazing freaking films. Either way, Caden, uh, last person to ask. All this stuff thrown in your face. How do you feel about it? Uh, well, as far as Kinberg goes, I agree with Jawan. He's not got a, he doesn't really have a, uh, you know, a background as far as being, a direct. I mean, he doesn't have anything to show that he's a great director. Uh, he, you know, he's a decent writer, um, so he does know the characters. He does, you know, he's been in the universe. So I think keeping him on is fine. I think if I think they can find a better director. I mean, I would even maybe say go back and go back out and get Vaughn to come back and and direct. Possibly if you know Singer's out. Uh, I don't know that I'd really would trust it with you know Ken Berg. I mean, if they want to, I mean that's okay. Uh, as far as the whole uh, Wolverine thing goes, I, I agree again with Juwan that uh, there needs to be kind of a time from Logan till they recast or bring him back. I think the X Men universe has really been it's it's like Batman with DC EU. It's the Batman universe. I think the X Men universe has really been the Wolverine universe, and I mean that's attributed to how great Hugh Jackman has been as Wolverine. And and Juwan is right. There's not one character that's bigger than its actor or the actor is bigger than the character. Wolverine was huge. He's always been big in the comics ever since uh, he was, you know, he's debuted and he got bigger because of the animated series. But Hugh Jackman, Please, yeah. if Doug Ray, yeah, if Doug Ray Scott had gotten the role and not had to back out, then I don't think we would have had the level of commitment and the character probably wouldn't have been done justice. I think Hugh Jackman is, you know, is is owed the respect. And I think that's why going out and recasting someone immediately is a little bit of a disrespect because then you're just going back and saying, we can't make an X-Men movie without Wolverine because he's been in every single X-Men movie. It's been his universe. So I think kind of take a break. Let's just explore other X-Men characters and then bring him in maybe in about four or five years. Yeah, no, I, I get what all of you guys are saying about taking a break on the character. As long as they come back to that character and not, like, shelve it completely or try to do the, well, we got X-23, she's a new Wolverine. Like, I don't, you know, I don't care if you recast a person. I want my original person. I want Tony Stark. I want uh, Logan or James Howell, whatever the fuck. Uh, yeah, heaven wear the damn uh, that's, that's a debate for another day. Um, I want to see him anyways. in the suit. Why? You don't want to see him in the suit? I want to see him in the suit no, at least I, one time. I think I it mean, looks stupid. I think oh, Dave, you want to look stupid, he'd be just fine, Dave. I think that if you did all black or maybe the brown and orange, that's fine, and if you have reasons for it. But if he just puts on a blue and yellow suit and starts going out there, I think that would look absolutely ridiculous. 
No, I, I think the brown, the, the brown, the dark brown is better. I, I like that outfit. I just want to yeah, whatever. Here. Tomato tamale. You know, uh, does anyone <laughs> else want to talk Dan's about that? Dan's adamant about that, too. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I know that Joel says the same thing, and I just I, I see it the way – like the, it's kind of like the helmet on Thor. Like, he, it makes sense that he's wearing it next movie because he's going to be in battle, but – I thought he would look really dumb with that helmet the whole entire fucking shabam. I know that that's like that in the comics. Okay, well then, can we compro- can we compromise Dane and say like he he wears the the black or uh, the brown and tan like suit but doesn't have the the mask? You can do. Well, well, he I mean, doesn't wear the black. mask, and he then yeah, he wore. A I was gonna say like that in the first X Men. Yeah, he's and, got and that mask on like, the way that they look now, um, in the at the end of Apocalypse, if they were to have Wolverine have some type of costume like that, maybe without a mask, yes. But if you do all black, it makes sense because he's trying to be stealth. So if he had the X Force costume, I think that would make more sense than you know because he's trying to blend in like Batman would be because Batman's not wearing the blue and gray in the movies because that would look stupid. That would be that wouldn't make sense. Why the hell would you wear bl- light should, blue uh, out and- in fucking dark? And should the blades, in, if they get a new Wolverine, should the blades come out of the top of the hand or between the knuckles? Because in the comics, they oh, came out of the top of the hand. Good question. <laughs> I say go this back got... to the coming out of the top of the hand. Because he's... Well, I mean... They, I like the way they have it now. As far as the suit, uh, I'm with Dane on that. I, I think it all depends on the actor you get. I'm looking at all my X-Men uh, movies that I have, and I'm looking at Hugh Jackman. That that typical uh, suit that they were all wearing with the X-Men made sense, like Dane said. And the other ones with him just in a T-shirt, that fits Hugh Jackman. Now, if Perrin Egerton was your next Wolverine, I could definitely see him um, in full costume with the mask, with the suit, uh, maybe not that <laughs> bright-ass yellow and blue. But I could see Taron yeah. Egerton in that Taren costume. Really does. But um, I've heard people say no, Scott Con. A lot of people want Scott Con as the next Wolverine. I, actually, I, mean, I said that, I said that year, for a yeah. while because he's five foot four. Yeah, yeah. Scott Scott Con, yeah I can understand Con's that. Son, yeah, Hawaii Five O. Yeah, yeah. Um, a There's lot a lot of, of good choices. You know, there's a uh, there, there's a lot of good choice. dude. I, I I know you guys are all gonna like boo at me right now. I think Shia LaBeouf could actually play a really good fucking Wolverine. Uh, he's <laughs> I actually absolutely he's a good actor. He's short. Absolutely. Uh, he's grizzly. Uh, wait, you know, but wait, uh, everyone's Dane. gonna be like, whoa, 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 what, what? People, yeah, I've Dane, seen people Dane, want Dane. fan cast him as Red Hood. I was just I about to say too. the only reason why I would never want him yep. as um, Wolverine. Is because he is tailor made for uh, for Red Hood. He would be a great. Um, he would yeah. be a great Jason. He'd Todd. be a great this Red is, Hood. This is a great and conversation. I think that kind of got off the rails, but. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, I guess we we only have a couple more topics anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, we hope you guys have enjoyed the show. It's been a really fun show. Just conjecturing a lot. We had a pretty cool guest. Um, but uh, let's let's keep on going. Uh, I'm really happy that Joe Carnahan is going to be writing the X Force screenplay. Uh, Joe is currently doing 50 fucking things at once. He's trying to do full of Gomo del Toro. Um, he's, uh, you know, directing the new Raid movies coming out. He's got a bunch of stuff in the pipeline, and now he's writing the X-Force screenplay and hopefully replacing Mel Gibson as a director for Suicide Squad 2. That's not actually a rumor. I just want that to happen. All right, so uh, 
Juwan, how do you feel about this? Um, well, I'm going to reiterate this. That is possibly one of my favorite all-time action directors or ensemble action directors um, in a while. I love his work. I love that he's also doing, uh, what is it, Bad Boys for Life, I think they're calling it. Yeah. Um, like, mm-hmm. you, like you said, though, this guy is like a Jamaican. He has so many goddamn jobs. It's crazy. Um, but I love the idea that he's writing it. it means we'll have some some of the uh, uh, best action sequences that we've seen. Um, I'm really excited for it. But I, I'm going to go ahead and say, Dane, you are absolutely correct. Uh, he needs to be directing Suicide Squad too. But I don't want him to do that because I don't want bad boys to have to wait. I don't want, you know, some of the other stuff he has going on to have to wait, but I'd definitely love to see him take on uh, Will Smith again uh, in the Suicide Squad team. Joel. What are we talking about? We're talking about Suicide Squad too? <laughs> no, Joe Carnahan's uh, writing um, X-Force. Suicide Squad 2. Oh, so that, all I heard was like Suicide Squad 2, so I'm like, wait a minute, what? what? No, I, I suggested he should direct Suicide Squad 2 over Mel Gibson. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to co- confuse. I confused myself a lot. I was just distracted, and all I heard was Suicide Squad 2, so I was like, wait a minute. What we, what we I just got confused. I'm sorry. Um, all right, so, yeah, I'm fine with it. It's whatever. Joe Carnahan's great. I like Joe Carnahan. It's like there's not much to it. And I'm like, that's cool. He's writing it. Uh, hopefully he gets to direct it. But considering he's so damn busy, who knows if he has time. I'm okay with it. Um, I, 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 the only thing, like, I feel like he's only done one great film, and that's Narc. Narc is a fucking terrific, terrific fucking movie. You didn't um, like it, right? But no, I didn't like that movie at all. I thought oh, it was fucking boring. Smoking aces. You didn't like smoking aces. No, I, I don't. I don't dislike smoking aces. I just don't think it's a great oh. film. It's a good film. It's a oh. very enjoyable film. And I think that he, but the gray, no, I didn't like that at all. We didn't even get to see him fight the fucking wolf. Um, and, uh, but, um, I, I'm serious, dude. I waited for two hours to see him fight that fucking wolf, and then they fucking ended it. And then they, and then I heard, oh, wait, you gotta wait till after, like, the post-credit sequence. And then so I fucking went back and watched, like, fast-forwarded through it so I could watch the post-credit sequence. And that was, like, ten seconds long. And you still didn't, get, still didn't get to see him fight the fucking wolf. But, um... <laughs> But never, nevertheless, like I uh, spoiler warning. I yeah, sorry, guy, you're not missing anything. Black uh, Nation, trust me. Um, but no, uh, the thing, the reason that I am okay with it is because of Smoke and Aces. Smoke and Aces was um, a very, very solid film that was able to balance out what like 15 different fucking characters. Um, so like. He he does have a pretty decent ability, at least uh, judging on that film alone, to be able to balance that out. Um, and X-Force is obviously going to have a lot of characters. Uh, and he does do action really well. So I wish that we could get a little punch of narc in there. Um, I don't think we will. Um, but uh, but I'm cool with it. I mean, I, I don't think he's a bad choice. We'll put it that way. Okay. All right, all right. Nick, so, he also did the one- team. Oh, What's yeah, that? and I actually liked the A-Team. Everyone told me that was a shit movie, and I watched it. It was fun. Yeah, All right, so I, I watched, I watched fun. like, an hour of it and fell asleep, so. I it was it. fun. It, it was fun. It was fun. I loved that movie. It was fun. 
Hey, Joe Carnahan, we want you on the show. We all like you. Promise. All right. Let's try to get one more subject in before. Uh, well, I'm going to double up a subject. It's all Deadpool related. All right. So Drew Goddard is working on the Deadpool script along with the original writers uh, and Ryan Reynolds right now. He's a part of the creative process. And also, there was a little, not a Twitter battle, but um, basically we had um, Russell Crowe kind of said that like he's, not interested, but he is interested in playing Cable, basically, because Rob Lightfield was saying that he should play him and tagged him, and he didn't realize Russell Crowe was going to actually respond to that, and he basically said, if if uh, Ryan Reynolds wants me to play a role, he knows where to get a hold of me, or something like that. So, all right, how do you feel about Drew Gard working on this script, and also Russell Crowe possibly playing Cable? I heard people bitching about this, and I wanted to be like, like, saying that he can't do it because he's not a comedic actor, and I'm like, he's one of the fucking greatest actors right now in our generation, to me at least. So right. I think they're fucking idiots, and they haven't seen enough of his movies. Uh, Juwan, let me ask you. <laughs> um, did it. I mean, the, the whole Russell Crowe story, I love, because if you watch, what was it, uh, the two guys with him and Ryan Gosling? Nice, nice guys. guys. Nice yes. guys. There we go. Nice guys. I'm sorry. Um, that kind of gives you a glimpse of what he could be doing with um, Ryan Reynolds as Cable and Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. So I love that idea. Um, I think he could actually pull off that comedy very well. Um, and the other story was, uh, I couldn't remember who you said was, was writing it. but I, Drew Goddard, I, uh, I n- director. I'm I'm fine with it, as long as they let Ryan kind of, you know, work the script uh, the way that he thinks it should be. Um, I'm fine with it. But Russell Crowe, yeah, that that's now moved up to my top pick for uh, for Cable. Me as well, Joel. Um, same here. Uh, he's, he, I didn't think of it. I, for some reason, I never thought of Russell Crowe. Me neither. In Cable. And then, like, out of nowhere, like, Rob Liefeld says it. And Rob Liefeld, for, like, months, has tried to not say a name out loud. If you want, like, I follow his Twitter, and he made, for a while now, he's like, I don't want to say no names because I don't want to favor anybody. And he comes out of his out of his ass to do this to Crow. And I'm like, well, that's a fucking great get if they can pull that off. I love nice guys. And that really is what sold me. I mean, he's a good, I mean, the point is he's a great actor, so it doesn't really matter. And he has a good... He's a good size. He's a good actor, and uh, bro, if they do that, that's my more. I would like that over Pierce Brosnan. No offense to Pierce Brosnan. I'm just saying Russell Crowe would probably be a better fit. He looks more intimidating, and I just think that would be awesome if they were to pull that off. Um, when it comes to Drew Goddard, I like it. It's fine. It's whatever. Uh, as long as, as long as the other dudes were on it, like Wet Reese and Paul Wernick. And and uh, Ryan Reynolds came out and said that they were so I'm like I'm cool with it then I'm fine it's cool he's good he's a good, uh, good writer yeah I, I agree with you and I, I don't think Rob Liefeld thought that um, Russell Crowe would respond to him at all because he definitely seemed surprised Nick how do you like that casting idea definitely. um I love it um I mean I'm a huge huge Russell Crowe fan I think he's just like you did and I think he's one of the best actors of our generation of actors. So, like, say, like, um, late 90s up until today, I mean, you can just run off such a great list of films, L.A. Confidential, A Beautiful Mind, Gladiator, y'all guys mentioned uh, Nice Guys. He was probably one of the best parts of Man of Steel, in my opinion. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I would love it. Now, 
My only concern is obviously budget and how much they would have to pay him and whether he would be down with signing a multi-film contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I, like, I don't want to rain on the parade or anything, but I just mm-hmm. don't know if he would do that, you know. But maybe if, if, he, if he would at least sign on for two films, then I would say absolutely go ahead and do it. I just don't want to get, like, one film of cable and then we don't get any more cable because we've been waiting for cable forever. Um, and as far as, as far as Goddard, um, like, I mean, he fucking daredevil. I mean, he's, he's the brain behind daredevil. So, um, I'm totally fine with him being a consultant. Like, it, you know, it's funny. Cause at first I was like a little worried. I was like, Oh fuck, they got to bring in a consultant. And then I thought about it and I was like, dude, they're probably just like, they have a bigger budget so they can be like, you know what? Like we got a pretty good script here, but why don't we bring in, you know, uh, somebody who could like look at it and maybe yeah, throw out I a wonder, couple ideas. I wonder how many blunts. I wonder how many blunts are a part of that consultant meeting between the uh, the writers and and Ryan Reynolds <laughs> writing up this script. I I can't wait for this fucking movie, Kanan. Well, as far as Russell Crowe goes, um, I I love him as an actor, and I think he'd be a great fit. My only concern is if they want Cable and other future films, is that something that he would commit to? Uh, I really don't want to see someone just come in and be one and done. I really would like to see someone that could come in and, you know, you know have a spinoff or, or be in additional movies. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, Drew Goddard goes, I mean, I think he's a fine fit because, honestly, this is going to be Ryan Reynolds' movie. Uh, it's going to go how he wants it, and if not, then, you know, they'll – they'll just find someone else to, to write it. So as long as Ryan Reynolds is attached to it, I mean, I see the movie, uh, do, you know, doing well. I completely agree with you. All right. Well, guys, we went through another wonderful episode of Geek Vibes Live. Um, you know, we talked uh, a little bit with Mr. Jay Sandlin, who was a great guest. Remember to check out all this stuff. Uh, check him out on social media. Twitter and everything, uh, and his the novel comics is his line of books based on comics, based on history. Really, really cool concept. We talked a lot about DC, and we had a lot of positive conversations. Juan, uh, say goodbye, and uh, thank you for joining us tonight, uh, as always. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> um, <laughs> how do you expect me to speak after that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, wow! I, it all up. <laughs> I couldn't shut it off. I couldn't shut off like that mode. It just kept on going. I was like, "Thank you for being here tonight." Yeah, look at you. Wow! All right, okay. we got a minute. Well, I'll just you. try this over again. All right, we have Jawan. Thanks, Jawan. Then. Need to go. Bye, guys. All right, Nick Smith. Uh, that's, yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> Joel! <laughs> All right, you guys are not doing anything but I'd say. All right, Kanan! Uh, I'm going to say bleep, bleep, bleep. That's all, folks. Yeah, basically, <laughs> nice. um, cool. yeah. listen to our shows. Check us out next Saturday. we got a wonderful show for the Oscars tomorrow night, so definitely tune in at 6 o'clock. Uh, Wow, that really just screwed me all up. It just went completely off. We had a good show up until then, you know. We were doing right. We were stealing, yeah. and then we would crash and fucking blew the fuck up. 
but that's okay. It's for you guys over at Geek Five Nation. Have a great night and don't hurt yourself at all. Try it. it.